Welcome to the Be a Difference Maker podcast. My name is Jeff Scouton, the host of the podcast, the podcast that aims to to, uh, bring light to all the good things that are happening with our teachers, administrators, and coaches in the tri-state area. I want to thank our sponsors. Before we begin, the moving company out of Orange City, Iowa, Brett and his crew do all they can to help you with any commercial or residential moves, along with uh, supplying a lot of different storage areas as well. Uh, give them a call for any of your any of the moves that you need. Uh, let them do the work for you. Save your backs at the same time, and you'll be happy when it's all, all completed. You can contact Brett directly at 712-541-9407 or go to their website at www.movingyourthings.com. It's my pleasure this week to welcome Chris Yaw to the podcast. Chris is in his Second year as middle school principal at MOC Floyd Valley and transitioning this year once again into the head varsity girls basketball coach after a storied career at Northwestern, both as an assistant coach and also as a head women's coach at Northwestern. Chris, thanks a lot for being with us. Jeff, thanks for having me. Uh, I look forward to our time together here. Thanks. Excellent. As we begin here, why don't you give us a little background and it's a, it's a lengthy background. You've had some great experiences as a teacher, coach, and now as an administrator as well. Let us uh, let us into that in regards to what you've done. Yeah. Well, first of all, I uh, appreciate you sharing it that way. Not that uh, I've gotten old enough to have so many experiences. <laughs> well, everybody knows that comes with it. So yeah, we're all good. That's right. Yeah, good. <laughs> well, you're right, Jeff. Just been very fortunate to, uh, to be able to... Um, be in the company of some really special people and have some special experiences. Uh, and it started back uh, with my first teaching job being at a small school at Ventura High School over by Clear Lake in Mason City and um, got to teach and coach basketball there uh, for uh, the high school. Was and six on six for girls back then? It or was not? not at that time. You're okay. trying to push my age even a little bit higher. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, that's <laughs> No, but I heard many stories about the, the Lynn Lorenzo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think went on to Iowa State, if I if I remember right. So. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, but that, that's where it all got started for me as a, a teacher and coach in education and, and coaching. And, um, it was just there one year, and then the opportunity to come join MLC Floyd Valley staff in the middle school happened. Um, so I spent seven years uh, here. Uh, at MOC Floyd Valley, and then was away for three years, um, and actually left after my first stint as head girls basketball coach, and was trying to start to dabble in that college coaching stuff, and went to Wayne State College for a year, and was an assistant women's coach there under Ryan Williams, um, who continues to be part of it uh, as a head coach at Colorado State University now. Um just uh, circumstances and a young family and, and those assistant college coaches, just you don't get paid a lot. And it seemed like something we needed to do. So I just spent a year there and then was hired as a middle school principal in Spencer uh, back in Iowa in Northwest Iowa. Was there for two years um, and then um, really no greater explanation than I was missing that direct contact with students. Um, decided to come back to MOC Floyd Valley to again be employed here. And, and that started my connection on the coaching side of things with Northwestern College. 
um, Earl Wildstra uh, caught wind of me coming back this direction and um, he was in need of an assistant coach. And so through the uh, great partnership of Northwestern and MOC Floyd Valley, you know, they worked it out that I was able to do that. And so then spent 17 years with the women's basketball program, either as an assistant or head coach. And uh, of course, many, many great memories there as well. Um, and was teaching in the education department at Northwestern at the same time. Um, and then just, uh, you know, my, my master's degree way back when I was just hanging on to it was in administration and I kind of told myself from my teaching days that if there's an opportunity to get back into administration at MOC Floyd Valley, just my respect for the district and the people and the way people poured into me when I was younger, it felt like that would be the one if I was going to do it, to do it. And uh, so, yeah, that lands us here today, Jeff. No, that's excellent. And uh, you led some great teams at Northwestern during your time as well. Yeah, they're just some, man, it's, uh, um, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of anticipating you'll ask some of those tough questions of the most of this or the best of this. And that, and it's, <laughs> we'll get to uh, that. Trust me. That, that'll be hard. Uh, that'll be really hard <laughs> because they're just, uh, yeah, a lot of special people yeah. and very talented people. Definitely. Super. So now, so now as a principal and being a coach for, well, you're still coaching, obviously, but being a head coach on the college level, for instance, for, for as an example, what are some, you know, similarities between the two? Any differences as well as you lead a staff now of teachers at MLC Floyd Valley Middle School? How's that compare to coaching? I, there's definitely some strong similarities, Jeff. And, and I think it's um, whether it's the big picture side or it's working with uh, individuals, but you know, the, for teams to end up experiencing their best and for individuals to be in a setting where they can grow to be their best. I think you have to have a common purpose. You have to have a vision. Um, and that needs to be established by uh, those that are asked to lead. Uh, and so establishing a, a vision and a purpose that everybody can walk in every day that creates the right kind of culture, um, for people to blow the top off their experience. And so that certainly is, uh, the same, um, that culture for me, um, the most primary thing is just creating one where people care about each other. And what that I think permeates then is that every single person, regardless of their role on your team or your staff, uh, they matter. That really matters. Whatever that role is, that's a definite correlation, um, I think as a leader, what you're striving to do or the influence you're trying to have, um, you're trying to grow people. You're trying to grow people in a place that they're passionate about. You're trying to provide additional tools if you can and if they're needed for those people, again, to just be the best version of themselves. Um, and so, again, that's the same, whether you're trying to provide for staff members or trying to provide leadership for uh, team members. Um you know, I think the one that is also very true, but was always very hard to meet, but I felt like it was a worthwhile, worthwhile goal was trying to do the best for every single team member or staff member while also trying to do the best for the basketball program or your entire building or your district. 
Now that's a tough goal because those don't always jive, you know, especially when you're making tough decisions about players and their role and those kind of things. They don't always believe that's the best for them. Uh, but you're trying to, again, still shoot for what I think is a worthy target to do what's best for every single person, but also the big picture um, and do what's best for the team, the program, the building, the district. Um, those are some obvious similarities uh, for me, Jeff. Um, you know, I think there's far more similarities and differences. I, I don't know that I um, can think of any stark differences. Um, you know, I think an obvious difference is, you know, as you're coaching student athletes, um, it's phrased that way for a reason. They're there to get an education. That's the primary purpose that they're there. And so the athlete part is somewhat secondary. As you're leading a group of staff members and whatever, it's it's livelihood. It's a career. It's a profession. Um, and so it's it's probably a little bit of a difference of um, in how you approach things that way. Uh, but there there are a fair amount of similarities for sure, Jeff. Super. That's that's awesome. Kind of tied in with that. Just uh, going to ask you. One question that's kind of focused both on being a principal and then also over the years as a as a coach as well and some memorable moments for you. But um, as a principal, you get to interact with all kinds of students, all kinds of staff members as well. Is there any wow moments that sh- that pop up for you? You know, whether at Spencer and now at MOC as a principal, that really. Like, man, this is awesome. I get to be a part of this. You know, I, I, I think the wow moments, and, and there's been plenty of these. Again, I'm just really fortunate to be around um, great staff members and teachers, but also students. Um, but those moments are when um, a student recognizes um the ability that they have and they, they just kind of beam with a confidence of, you know, I I just did that and I wasn't sure I was capable of that. Um, And just to watch them in that moment from body language to facial expression. um, You know, I, most of my time has been with middle school kids. And so, you know, they're not always so sure how to articulate how excited they're feeling and how awesome it is to feel the way they're feeling. So much of it is just observation. Um, Those are the definite wow moments when it's, you just witness a bunch of people pouring into a student uh, from parents to counselors, to teachers, to all sorts of staff members. um, And to then watch that student experience a level of belonging, a level of success, a level of achievement that you're not sure they ever pictured uh, that they could get to. And, um, you know, that's, that's the, yeah, that's just so, you know, uh, exciting, I guess. I, I don't know what the yeah, right, absolutely. right adjective to put on it, but. Yeah. And they might, happens. and they might not even realize that till 10 years from now, you know, the impact that, that teacher or you had them had on them during that time. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Now tied, tied in with that. 
this might be a tough one for you to answer, but from a coaching aspect, what are some of those memorable games that stand out to you over the years? Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of them rolling in my head. I'll, I'll, uh, again, I'm at the risk of, you know, <laughs> my phone may light up from past yep. what you didn't mention this one. Exactly. Uh, there, there, there's really so many. And, um, you know, th- those moments are about the people. Um, and so it's, uh, you know, I'm just picturing faces as I think back to, I was so blessed and fortunate as an assistant or head coach to be far to, part of four national championships uh, on our women's side. Um, and as I just picture faces and you picture moments of, of practice when it's hard and they're trying to fight through something with their teammates, uh, but then you picture um, that locker room after those games, um, you picture the faces and, and people prior to those games. Um, certainly those are wow moments because you, you just, you've been in that whole experience with them. And so, you know, the journey, you know, the, the battles and the celebrations and the, and in those cases, those championship games, the culminations. Um, and then uh, you, you recognize or anticipate how much they put into building relationships with one another. And so what are those conversations going to be one, two, five, ten years down the road too? And so for that reason, those, those are just really huge moments. You know, I think there's, there's other moments that you couldn't script um, as coaches. And, and so the cool part of them just lives on because it's right. nothing you did. You just got to be part of it. But um you know, I know that 2011 championship um, run um, was Coach Wildstra's last year. And so my last year as an assistant. And so that adds to it a little bit. But that Final Four game, um, just weird set of circumstances. We had two starters break their foot in that game. And so we, you know, try to make the best decisions we can minus two people that are part of your rotations and what you do and how you be your best and, and come out with a win. And then to go into that championship game against a team that had given you your only loss of that year. Um, and to pull who, off that who was that Chris? That was Davenport. Okay. Um, out of uh, Michigan. So the team had traveled up there uh, that Christmas Okay. to play a couple teams up there and, and got beat by Davenport. Um, and so just, a you know, that that final four, that semifinal game, and then the final game, um, yeah, just lots of things. And, um, you know, I think of a 2019 team. We're in the Elite Eight game again against Ozarks. And, I, again, I'm, I'm cautious to embellish, but I think I recall we're down 17 in that game. And – we end up winning on a last second shot on a baseline out of bounds play. Um, yeah, there's just, man, it goes on and on. I mean, we, right. could, we could consume a lot of time here. And um, <laughs> again, that all comes from a place of just so much gratitude about being with some special assistants and players over the years. Right. Good memories without yes. a doubt. Now, uh, 
I'm going to follow that up with probably even a, a more tougher question for you, but dealing with athletes now, over your career, the most competitive athletes that you have coached, who stands out and, and what does that athlete look like? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you really are trying to open me up for uh, a bunch of banter. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Now the flip side is it's it's you're in a good position to actually be asked that question. <laughs> yes, that is, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You, you know, Jeff. I, I, in all seriousness, um, it becomes hard to identify certain student athletes being a little more competitive than this one or that one or whatever because they're so unique. Um, again, as, as I ponder a response for you, there's just so many faces that, that flash in front of me. And I, I, I think if you'll permit me to Jeff, I think I, I, I can maybe better serve whoever might listen. Um, what are those things that in my opinion, make yeah, absolutely. all those people, special competitors, you know, I think, I think one of them is, um, those special competitors don't flinch. The biggest moment, the most trying moments as a competitor, um, things thrown at you that you didn't expect. Um, I think those most fierce competitors don't flinch. Um, and I think that comes from a, a confidence that they've just built. They've built that confidence by not ever quitting. Uh, they've built that confidence through preparation and knowing that they've prepared really well that they can overcome whatever is in front of them. Um, they're bigger than the moment um, because of who they are and whose they are, if I might say that, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I think they uh, they compete smart, uh, of course, with max effort, but they compete smart, and that's part of that not flinching, not quitting. Um, I think the greatest competitors um, – bring other people along with them. I think they recognize and understand not just what's happening to them, but they understand what is happening to my team right? and what is the response we need to make. And they're happy to lead that charge, but they also recognize this is a, we not just a me response. And, um, you know, I picture a couple faces just coaching and, and trying to push people to another level. They love a challenge. I think great competitors love a challenge. Um, I heard uh, Dr. Micah Parker, uh, former AD um, at Northwestern share that the definition for having fun for true competitors is to take something on that's challenging and do it well. Um, and, and so I, I, Man, there's just so many, again, faces I'm picturing as I think about that. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's maybe worthy uh, for any young coaches or even maybe some athletes that might be listening. I think the thing that gets mistaken for competitiveness is when some athletes respond in a poor way. And, and unfortunately, that's modeled in a lot of places. But for lack of a better word, when they just throw a fit. You know, they right. might, you know, and, and you'll hear some people say, wow, they're just so competitive that it's so disappointing. <laughs> they can't help themselves. Um, and I, I'm sure they are very competitive. 
but I think the most competitive people um, rise above that, are able to feel that they have that emotion going on and to then say, okay, this is not a time for me to flinch. This is a time for me to dig into the deepest part of who I am and who I've prepared myself to be versus whatever it is, throwing this, throwing that, right. you know, slamming on this, beating on that. Um, you know, I, again, I'm not trying to be overly critical of, of those that have responded that way, but, you know, sometimes two-year-olds lose arguments with their parents too, and they throw a fit by kicking their feet and <laughs> that stuff. And I, to me, those aren't true competitors. They're not, <laughs> you know, um, so... I, you know, again, it's, it's a tough question for me to ask to throw names in there, Jeff. Oh, absolutely. And, but I do appreciate being able to share, at least in my opinion, who are those toughest competitors and and what are they about? Right. And, and what a blessing as a coach to be able to picture faces of that, because that's awesome. And they know who they are without a doubt. They do. And, And I, if I could add one more thing, the beauty of it is, um, you know, nobody on your schedule wants you to get better. Nobody on your schedule wants you to get better. And so you have to own that as a team. And so when you get into practices and you have had people that care so much about each other that they don't dare not give their best to each other, that's really special. And those are some of the faces and moments that I can picture as just practices where you might have what people view as your two best players on your team just saying, well, I'm not backing down, and I know she's not backing down. <laughs> so we have quite a competitive moment going on. <laughs> no, that's great. So that's awesome. This, Sorry, this is Jeff. what makes it. No, this is what makes it real. I like this. That's so, right. It is real. We need some dogs barking and some doorbells going. That's, that's right. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. These these last uh, three questions kind of gear toward. Uh, um, some of the students that I teach that are going into coaching and teaching and so forth. And the, the first one is just that balance. And I'm sure as a principal, you're being pulled at different areas. As a coach, you get pulled from different areas. But how do you maintain that, that balance of, of work and home? And, uh, and, I, and I think most of our listeners realize that, you know, you've You've been through the mill a little bit in the last couple of years with a with a daughter going through cancer, and uh, not to not to dwell on that, but at the same time, I think you you'd be a great example of okay, how do you balance that going back and forth? Yeah. Um, well, I, the the first thing, Jeff, and it, it's no um, um, no reflection on the way you phrased the question, uh, but it's a, a way that I've that I've tried, tried and failed, and hopefully tried and had some success. Um, I don't know that balance is always attainable because life has seasons. Um, our professions have seasons. And so I've always tried to, instead of trying to achieve balance, achieve the priority that is most fitting at that time. Um, and so it's, I've always tried to prioritize and, and um, knowing in my life what's most important, um, you know, knowing that, um, yeah, my, my, my faith relationship um, and growing my own faith, you know, 
knowing that that's a priority in my life, but, um, and then your, your family and the things that you do, um, in those things, um, whether sometimes we choose them or not, there are seasons in that. And so I've tried to approach it that way that you, you, uh, prioritize what maybe need to, needs to be prioritized in that day, week, month, set of months. Um, and then, uh, as you mentioned, you don't, as much as we like to plan for success and prepare ourselves, um, in so many ways, sometimes, um, God has different plans for you. And so again, those trying to achieve balance, um, that doesn't seem to fit for me, but a priority. Um, and even in our time over the last almost three years of, of Claire's leukemia diagnosis and sickness, um, there's been times where that has been the only, and this is, this is the only thing that's appropriate to think about at this time. You know, I think of those first days of diagnosis and you're just trying to, to support one another and lean on each other and, um, wrap your mind around what's next. And, and, um, that was appropriate that, okay, there's no balance to be achieved here. This is the most important thing and, and how we can support Claire. And then just in that, that time period, um, of now, um, you know, you're, it's important to celebrate when things are going really, really good and be supportive and caring and offer caregiving to Claire, but also for Donna and I and our other two kids to one another. Um, again, there's, I don't know that there's balance, but there does right. need to be a priority uh, list of things. And, and so um, I think again, it's, it's having a, you uh, think that's a cool thing that I was fortunate to have of having a, an experience at in which uh, your thinking, your preparation, your education, my participation in extracurriculars, all coming from a spiritual-based college, it informed all of that. And so it causes you to reflect as a person in who you're going to be. And so then that helps you identify what are those priorities going to be. Um, and you know, it's all of us are different and that's, that's okay. Um, we're all different. Um, but it's, um, for me, I've tried to make it about priorities and there are, there are those change. Those need to be fluid. I think based on who you are at your deepest core, (laughs) those need to be fluid. And I, the, the the last thing I'd add there, Jeff, because I feel like I'm rambling a little bit on this one, but no, um, you're good. The the thing I try to do, and again with with failure and with some success, I, I think um, as you prioritize, um, the goal is to give the best of your time to what you're prioritizing to, not the rest of your time. Um, People will know <laughs> whether it's a middle school kid or it's a spouse or it's a child or it's a colleague. Um, th- they're going to know if what they're getting is the rest of you or if you're at all times trying to give the best of you and your time. Um, that can be hard. 
that can be hard. Um, but still, again, like I said earlier, it's a worthwhile goal to shoot for. Absolutely. Thanks so much for sharing. That's a great perspective on that. And, uh, you know, continued prayers to your family as well going forward. I know many of our listeners are well aware and uh, just know that you have a lot of prayerful support coming your way as well, Chris. Yeah. As a family of believers, there's no doubt there's been plenty of days where it's okay. This strength is not ours (laughs) to wake up and take this on, whether it's Claire or us, the strength is not ours. And so we know that uh, we've been lifted by so many people. Awesome. Thanks again. You bet. Looking back over your, you know, years teaching, coaching now in administration as well. Are there certain mentors that, that stand out to you that have obviously positively impacted you? Oh, for sure. Uh, Jeff, you know, it's, uh, um, some again, just because of what I would not have been able to choose as my own, you know, there's, um, God is intervening and placing people in my life for maybe it's a short moment. Others have been there for man, I, for a huge number of years. You know, I, I think as a, myself as a young student athlete, whether it be high school or college, um, Gary Richardson was a high school teacher and basketball coach of mine. Um, Mark Fredrickson was a high school teacher and a baseball coach of mine. Um, Those people were, I just appreciated how they treated you, appreciated how they tried to get the best out of you um, and supported you. Um, I think, again, as a player and a student, Les Dalma and Todd Berry were both coaches I played for at Northwestern. Um, Ron Yuffer is a professor I had at Northwestern. And, um, you know, those, uh, as I think about my own student athlete progress, those people, again, just, they come to mind as mentors and important people in my life because I knew whether it was a tough conversation and they're trying to move the needle for me (laughs) to a better spot for me or whether it was a time where they're celebrating with you and encouraging you. Um, I, I, I never wavered on the fact that I knew that they cared about who I was and who I became. And so some of those, as I now think about being a coach, a teacher, a colleague myself, um, you know, Gary Richardson has continued to be, you know, just our paths have continued to cross and, right. um, his, his commitment to me and a great friend and mentor uh, to me has continued. Les Dalm is another one. You know, our paths have just continued to cross professionally um, and just geographically. Um, Todd Berry, you know, again, so good at staying in touch. And Ron Yuffer at Northwestern, um, you know, paths just continue to cross. Um, Earl Wildstra and Chris Corver would be two of those I would add to that through my Northwestern experience that uh, guys that have became great Christian role model men to me, um, in addition to the the countless bus travel X's and O's and all those <laughs> things that you have, um, th- those people have you know just been huge um, influences um, in me personally uh, and also professionally and. Um, you know, 
God, of course, is who we're trying to emulate and how we treat people. Um, and so that's a huge, important piece of me trying to continue to be the best that I can for other people. Um, but my wife, Donette, and all three of our kids, um, we're fortunate to be in that stage of life where our kids are all adult kids, you know, of, right. and, and so, um, it's, uh, it's remarkable how much, uh, they come back and influence you just as you watch them, whether it's being their own parents or being professionals in what they're doing, um, their own relationships with people. Um, so those are, you know, people that continue in my family and, and of course God, uh, but in my family that continue to be mentors and role models too, for me. No, that's great. That's a great list. And, uh, you know, maybe many more that are listening as well can tap into some of them as well as cross and pass at, with them at some point. But uh, good. Last one here for you, Chris, before I let you go here yeah. is uh, I work with a lot of future teachers and coaches. And, um, you know, from freshmen to seniors in college, they want to get into the field. What What advice do you have for either you know, that age group or even some are early on teachers and coaches that are just getting into the field as well. What are some things that stand out for you? Well, I, I, um, I think an encouragement and a nudge that I would give um, is – for me, and I guess I would need to preface this to say this, that uh, for me, leadership is, is about influence and have, being able to have an influence or lead people is about caring and about serving and about relationships. And so with that as, as, as a uh, stamp of how I view leadership, I would tell or encourage young teachers, coaches, um, Leadership is not about age, title, position, years of experience, seniority. And so for that reason, lead right now. Don't wait to lead. We are all capable, if we care enough, we're all capable of caring about people, serving people, about giving away the best of ourselves, um, not doing what we're doing to be self-absorbed or to have people look at us and say, wow. Um, but there's, there's no reason why a first year teacher and coach, um, can't lead from a perspective of how well they care for others, how well they're willing to serve others. Um, and, um, I, I think as you do that, the important piece is, um, so I, I'm guilty of saying it because I think I said it to, as part of the introduction. Um, but part of that being as a teacher and coach, I encourage that the mindset is I don't teach math and coach basketball. I mean, I teach and coach young people and I don't teach math along with the science teacher and the geography teacher or coach with my assistants. Um, I know them by name and I coach with these colleagues uh, and that, I think, trains us and continues to keep us operating in a place of 
I can lead right where I'm at, right where my feet are at, right in the place I am in my career, because I care about every one of those people that I'm teaching and coaching and about every one of those people that I do this teaching and coaching gig with. Um, so for, from that backdrop of how I view leadership, Jeff, um, I, I would tell people to lead in the capacity you can right where you're at. And that doesn't mean that your position may lend you to steer and guide a whole bunch of people, but you are influencing someone. Uh, right. And so I, I would encourage that that just take off and do that. Um, and again, if our whole, uh, if our goal in, in teaching and coaching is to have an influence on people, um, it's important to remember that, you know, you asked me about games and that kind of thing. I remember a few of those, but I didn't give you very many. And so if we look on the flip side of that, how many am I forgetting right. uh, that, you know, you just don't remember how great a game or event that might've been. Um, but it goes back to people are going to remember how you made them feel. They're going to remember how you made them feel. Did you make them feel like they absolutely matter? Um, or was it something different than that? You hope not. Um, but so I, um, I, I think the, the, what I wouldn't want new aspiring um, teachers, coaches to, to miss out on are the opportunities of influence because they didn't feel like it was their place, their time right. to lead. Um, so that's why I say that. Of course, experience helps you do it better, but it doesn't mean we can't do it. Right. It doesn't mean Absolutely. We can't lead from right where we're at. Super. Well, good. Well, tell you what, Chris, thank you so much for, for being a part of this. Um, want to wrap things up by uh, once again, thanking our sponsor, the moving company of Orange City, Iowa. Contact Brett for any of your residential or commercial moves and any storage areas you might need as well. You can reach him directly at 712-541-9407 or at movingyourthings.com. Chris, thank you so much. You've been a blessing to so many people and now our listeners can hear you as well. Um, thank you for your time. Absolutely, Jeff. Um, I appreciate the opportunity. It's a yeah, blessing to get to share a few minutes with you. Uh, but also, uh, if there's a if there's a nugget to be shared, uh, that that's why we have them. They're not meant to be kept. So absolutely, and plenty were given today. And much thanks to you. Uh, going forward, we have a few different options for next week that we're trying to iron out, and we also plan to have an officials podcast here in the next month just so that we learn a little more about officiating in our area whether it be football basketball or other sports as well but uh thanks you for listening rate and like us it always helps to spread the news of the great things that our teachers administrators and coaches are doing in the tri-state area until next time thanks for listening